What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome on into the Brass Ring Media Podcast, our flagship show for Thursday, February 15th, 2024. I'm Zach Haydorn. That is Tyler Sage. Tyler, what's going on, man? Hey, excited to talk. Not exclusively Rock Cody, and it's not your <laughs> fault or my fault, but it's been very heavy uh, in recent weeks, obviously. After SmackDown tomorrow, I'm sure we'll be right back into it. But yep. uh, excited for that, and uh, I'm officially getting old physically. It hurts to oh. like lift my arm in a certain direction on my left what side. Happened? What did you do? I don't. I don't know. So that's always exciting. <laughs> so I was, you don't even know. That's really bad. I mean, I moved stuff yesterday. I was helping my wife do an event, and there was like a crate full of rocks. So I'm moving that from A to B, but like it didn't hurt in the moment. I woke up today, and it's like. You know, if I go like straight, uh, straight ahead, it hurts. But like outside, no problem. So some small sounds muscle like, here. So. Sounds like it might be a rotator cuff injury, my friend. We'll see. Well, you know, I'll have to get surgery and then be out for six months. But my glorious return will uh, will pop a rating for sure. So. <laughs> you and CM Punk. Yep. <laughs> well, man. Yeah, lots to get to today. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm excited to talk a little bit different material than uh than rock cody rollins range i mean obviously that's you know been a major major story the last the last two weeks but hey you know i thought aw last night was a pretty interesting show not all good by any means um but i've been excited to talk about samoa joe and the kind of the the aw world title picture it's been a while since we've kind of covered that but i think on last night's dynamite um, I just, just Joe's promo last night on AW Dynamite about revolution and like not only calling out, you know, Swerve and Hangman, but the entire state of Texas, uh, was I, like, it was like Samoa Joe at his finest. And, you know, it was a promo like that, that had me kind of just re recalibrating a little bit like what I think the AW should do with the, the world title picture because Joe, you know, I mean, man, like he was an alpha out there. He looked the part of a champion. He spoke well, you know, he didn't really kind of fall into the pit of, uh, of Samoa Joe yelling into the microphone. Like he looked like, you know, the guy, you know, with like the top guy and, I think it's it's been a while since like the AW World Title has had that kind of presence, even on the waist of MJF, who I think you know is a bigger star than than Samoa Joe, obviously. But there's something about Joe and you know the credibility he brings to that title that I think has really helped repair it. And last night on the microphone, I thought he put just like a a stamp on. Now you know if there were if there were thoughts to just kind of use me as a transitional champion. Like I'm going to, I'm going to like force your hand to rethink that. And I, and, and last night on the microphone, I thought he really showcased the type of talent he can be. What, what did you think of, of, of Joe? I've been pumped to, to get your take on it. Yeah. I liked it. I mean, easily the best segment of the night. Yes. Um, By far. Uh, so, you know, that's where you want it to be right. Transitioning hour one to hour two, right. So that smart booking of like what you think is going to be the best stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, everything in a nutshell that you said, plus, like, just the end of that promo. If you just watch that, of, like, Swerve and Paige going back and forth with each other and him, like, shut up. I'm just going to kick both your asses. I'm tired of this. And then leaves yeah. the, 
ring and that's like oh okay i guess we're done joe's out of here so i guess the segment's over you know that was like very alpha very much made me think as a viewer that joe will walk out of here and maybe it'll lead to you know i don't know what it leads to but i hope it's a singles between him and swerve i guess as a, as a fan but you know he's still transitioning oddly uh to what he is right and joe even being a heel to the local market still way over um like when he when he pulled that right as like the badass yeah, champion that people yeah. want to cheer you know opposite of edge being ringside and taking someone's glasses and breaking them which is very strange <laughs> i thought it was in the commercial break if anyone missed that i was like what's so bizarre the character anyway that's not what we're talking about but like a tale of two legends i guess is, is where my brain is going with that um so yeah i think it leaves it open i haven't checked uh if there are betting lines yet but i think they are would be inching towards joe being the favorite of the three when i wouldn't have said that two weeks ago which is interesting because it seems like they're pitting swerve and page against each other more so than trying to get that title but they've all talked about how the title's important adam page including oddly not really saying like oh yeah we're two i'm a former champion you're a champion we know what this is like he kind of said that but didn't like jump all the way into it but yeah anyway joe feels it feels right it feels like he always should have been a world champion it doesn't feel like you know oh my god what are they doing here which is good with that lineage right has there any but there hasn't been anybody yet that's held the AEW world title that has been like, oh my God, I cannot believe this person, you know, is, is, yeah. is champion, right? And every belt has that. And AEW will have that at some point. But yeah, Joe's really, and we talked about it, who knows when, all the great content we produce. <laughs> but Joe's right up there, John Moxley, as like a guy you can rely on and is a top, on, has the potential to be a top two title reign in the company's history if, if AEW decides to do so. And I think, too, like, I mean, with Joe, you know, it was never a guarantee with him necessarily. Because, I mean, unlike John Moxley, unlike Jericho as champion, unlike MJF, and, and even Adam Page, for that matter, CM Punk, too. Like, all those guys were very, you know, protected talents. Guys that you knew when you were watching the show, like, they're not losing matches. They're in high-profile segments. You know, they're, they're, they're doing big things on television. I mean, Joe... I mean, he had a long run where he wasn't even on Dynamite. He was the ROH television champion. He was in a back-and-forth feud with with uh, with Wardlow. He had lost, you know, previously um, to MJF before he took, took him on. So he didn't have, like, the on-ramp that the other champions did. And so it's even more of a credit to him as a worker and him how – how he presents himself, how he talks – how he carries himself as champion, like that alone, like, you know, and, and yes, I mean, obviously he's gotten big wins and he's gotten moments since becoming champion, but there wasn't that kind of base of this guy's really important. Exact kind of the opposite. Like it was, he was presented in a different way. And so really it's a big credit to his work in alone that has kind of transitioned um, him into this, to this bigger, to this bigger role that I think is, repairing a lot of the damage that um, was done to the AEW world title during the, the reign of, of MJF. Do you, if you're Tony Khan right now and you're seeing this from, from, uh, from Joe, like, 
are you thinking about a pivot? Are you thinking about, hey, like we got to go with this longer than I expected? Or do you still stay on track? And, and if the plan was to to shift to swerve at double or nothing or to, you know, get the title around the waist of Okada or, you know, whatever, you know, how, how much is Joe changing your mind right now as the champion? Yeah, I mean, it all depends what Tony Khan's long-term goal of this was, right? Like maybe all along he wanted Joe to have a six month run with the title. And we're mm-hmm. just like right on that path. And, you know, I think whatever Tony Khan has written in, you know, blood in his booking book <laughs> um, <laughs> is, is what's going to happen. Right. He's, he's not shown a, a predilection to pivot uh, at the top of the card. The only one time that we know that he has, it was an utter disaster with the Cole and MJF stuff. Yes. Whether that's yeah. like the belt changing versus like the story changing, um, I'm going to think he's going to lean back and do what he thinks should happen longer term, right? So, and that's a reason for him not to pivot again yes. <laughs> because that was not good. Yeah. So it just depends. I think it's more to do so with what you want um, to do going forward. And I think Joe and Swerve both fill that character void of being an anti-hero you can kind of have them be a little more aggressive of a baby face or more of a baby face depending how they go mm-hmm. um because who's coming in okada's gonna be a baby face you know you have it in the in the headliner here osprey's gonna be a baby face that's no reason that's the only reason you have a match that's coming up um unless it's a utter disaster i know you're very excited about that um you know, so you have two big baby faces coming up, and if you want them in the title picture, you want to have a heel in that spot. Um, not right. a Hangman Page, which no one thinks Hangman's going to win, but he's more the heel of the three of them at this point, yeah. at least based on crowd reaction. So, um, yeah, I and I think a lot of this, you know, just guessing here, but what happened at All In with Samoa Joe kind of taking control of the situation, it seems like I think it's bought him a lot of goodwill. Yeah. Of like, hey, I trust this guy with my life. If you want to read in fully to that story, uh, the Tony Khan <laughs> version of it, um, oh, then man. that makes me think this will be a longer run anyway, because of that. Uh, but we'll see. I don't know. I, and I like that. This is one of the few world title matches where honestly, I'm 15 where it's going to go. So I think that makes for better content than, a obvious, you know, what's exactly going to happen in the main event that we've seen a very much majority of the time for AEW. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, well put the, uh, the Joe stuff we'll get into more. And I also want to talk a little bit about, you know, Swerve and, and Hangman during that promo amongst <laughs> of a lot of other things on my list here uh, from AW Dynamite. But let's uh, take a quick pause and set the table on the show here. This is the Brass Ring Media Podcast. We are live um, all throughout the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, twice on Thursday. Um, and it's a pleasure to be here. Um, you can follow us on all sorts of different channels where we put our content on a daily basis. You can hit subscribe right here on our YouTube channel um, in order to get all of our free content on a day-to-day basis, hit the, hit the notification button. So, you know, when we're live and we know when, and you know, when uh, new videos go up on the, on the feed, we also have a free Substack newsletter that we update uh, on the regular daily. Um, you can just search brass ring media Substack in your Google search engine, and it will be the first thing that pops up. So um, 
check that out as well. So written content and some audio video content. If you like what you hear here, uh, we certainly would love for you to give us a try and become a Brass Ring Media member. You can head over to Patreon to do that. Patreon.com backslash Brass Ring Media. Um, as a member, you get a lot of fun extra perks, more content, a free weekly member-only podcast, uh, access to our pay-per-view and PLE review shows that we do within a day of those events uh, wrapping up, access to our Discord community, which is uh, uh, quickly becoming such a fun part of, of Brashing Media as a whole, um, and lots, lots more. So it's $4 a month. We hope that you guys take advantage of it. Uh, we certainly would appreciate it and do all we can uh, to earn your business on a week to week and monthly basis. As for today, uh, the live chat is open. We got some people filing in there. Tracy's in there. Hello, Tracy. Sean is in there now. Hello, Sean. Thank you for uh, for being here. Our super chats are open. If you want to contribute to the show with a comment or a question that we can get to, uh, we will be sure to flag those as the show goes on and uh, and make sure that we get to all of them by uh, by the end of our uh, our hour here. So uh, any little bit helps. We certainly would appreciate um, any contributions you can make. Can I can I break your rundown for a second? I, 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 I guess I guess yeah. I was curious what you thought like the I don't know if you're Tony Khan. Let's say yeah. What was your least favorite part of last night's dynamite? Because I was mm. thinking like there was a part specifically where I was like you know. I'm not usually the guy to do this, but I'm like, what in the hell is going on? And why would you do that uh, moment? So I'm curious if you have one or. If so I had, there's two yeah. moments that stand out for me. One of them, I know I'm in the minority on, so I don't think you're leaning towards that one. And I don't know. I kind of just hope you're thinking the same thing that I'm thinking on this. Cause I thought <laughs> it was so horrendous. Knowing, if there was no, <laughs> knowing both of us, I, I would be shocked if it's not the same thing, but I wouldn't either, but it was, it was so bad that it makes me think, oh, gosh, was there another third bad thing that I had missed? But the one I'm thinking of is the backstage uh, the backstage promo with uh, the Bang Bang Scissor Gang, whatever oh, the no. hell it's called. Something and they're, else? like, tickling, like, Renee Young. It's like – and I'm just like, what? Ah, horrible. I thought that was just terrible. It's on my list of things to talk about, but what, mm. what did you pick up? Well, that was pre-taped, right? So that was allowed to go out by somebody. Maybe QT. <sighs> I guess coming, it was coming, yeah. QT coming back into it. Um, you know, maybe that was a QT special there. No, mine was Darby Allen. And oh and yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. Referencing, you know, an EVP that's not the Bucks or not, you know, Kenny, and then getting the crowd to chant Cody Rhodes's <laughs> effing name. <laughs> I, if I was Tony Khan, I'd be like, you are dead to me like what in the hell is wrong with you like he scouted me he's the genius like everyone's saying this mjf included that like anything good in the early part of AEW is kenny is cody is cody rhodes and like no one else's thing and he's about to like it's crazy well and i was and not, like <laughs> not to mention like that's like that's really bad that's yeah that is really bad if you're tony Khan. i thought of it more yeah. from my my own perspective but you're right that's bad but the other like it, it, we'll get into this more too, but that like, I didn't even think that promo was all that good anyway. Like it ignored pretty much the entire angle from last yeah. week. Like, I, I don't know that he brought it up one time yeah. and instead it was, you booked Brandon Cutler on the first episode of dynamite and not me. It's like, Oh man. All right. I don't want to cross wires too, too much here. Cause I've got yeah. some questions about that, but yeah, dude, Cody Rhodes, 
Massive chant. I mean, and, and look, like, <laughs> you have – obviously, you have to assume that there's a big portion of your AW audience that watches WWE. You know, mm-hmm. like, I think that that's just – yeah. I don't at know that it's two, the other at way. Two, at least two-thirds, right? Is, yeah. Yes, yeah. I don't know that it's the other way as much. Like, I don't know that, like, if you're a diehard AEW fan or a diehard WWE fan that you watch AEW, clearly not from a numbers perspective, but it's certainly the other direction. So, like, you got to have some self-awareness there. Like, and it all, it's like, (laughs) there's like, there was like no awareness of like, this is probably not a good idea. Cody's as popular as ever. He's about to main event the biggest WrestleMania of all time next to the biggest movie star in the world, arguably. And, yeah, let's just name drop him, but not really. Mm-hmm. Bad judgment. Bad yep. judgment. And uh, for those people out there that um, <laughs> that want scripting for their, uh, for their, their wrestling shows, this would be a, uh, an argument in the four, the four column because that just seemed to get away from him. You know, like he just lost control of it, and and that was it. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I love it. We should start out the show that way every every week. What do you think on on Tuesdays? It's what do you think Paul Levesque hated most about yeah. his show, <laughs> and on Thursdays, what do you think Tony Cott hated most about his? Yeah, well, it's going to be more the AEW thing because they're unscripted, right? Yeah, like, obviously true. that was like the plan going into it was like, you know, you see the idea of it. That's why you like do a rough draft and then you finalize it. Because it's like, yes, I want to show that I, Darby, as a solo individual, have beef with you as these new EVP characters that are finding people. Like, on paper, totally makes sense. Like, the Shivani stuff, I thought worked good. Yeah. And that segment makes them heels and all that stuff. But yeah, like you said, they were literally wearing their white suits with Darby's blood on it. And he's, like, not referencing that at all. Like, they choked out, like, Sting's kids who, you know, are (laughs) his brothers in a certain way, right? If Sting's, like, his wrestling dad. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of wild. And then to do that, it just shows the lack of institutional control that happens. And like of all the people, Darby to do it, yeah, is weird. Right. And you know, because uh, who else? I mean, Ricky would do the same thing. And uh, there's always like a third person who's always referencing Cody. Oh, I'm Jeff too. I'm Jeff. Yeah, like yeah. so, it's like so crazy that all that is happening all the time. And you know, it'd be like if. Triple H and Shawn Michaels were constantly referring to, you know, to Scott Hall and Kevin Nash on in right. 1997 WWE, which just never happened. So. Right, and when it, and even like when it did for like a sliver of time, like the whole world melted down after the uh, curtain call and all that stuff. And it's a different time, I get it, but like you still, there's still some lines you just can't, you just don't want to yep. cross. And that was one of them. Well, and, and again, like, you know, if it would have. Like just look, listen to the crowd. I mean, they he totally just like gave up control of that promo, and it ended up focusing on something so far from um, from the story at hand that it you know it didn't work. It like didn't work at all. And so, um, yeah. it's somebody in on Nitro referencing Steve Austin because he used to work there, and they were like they thought he was like a mentor, and then the whole yes. crowd going to be chanting Austin, Austin, Austin. right? Yeah. Exactly. But, and that would never have happened. Like that would yeah. never have happened um, for the, for that reason. So, Oh, Darby. Yeah. My, my guess is that Tony Khan and uh, I, I don't know if it was, if it was anybody else, but Tony Khan in charge, I think they would have had a conversation with Darby. 
I don't know if Tony Khan does. I, I, you know, I genuinely don't. Yeah. Um, but let's jump backwards. I have some more questions about that Darby segment. Let's jump mm-hmm. back to the the Joe um, Hangman Page um, Swerve thing. So Joe was good. We've kind of stipulated to that. Um, really good. I thought Swerve had a good end on the microphone too, and he was more to me here as like painted as a clear cut babyface, which I think has been a long time coming for him. Like, but but the thing that I liked most about it though was the fact that he. You know, he stayed in his like swerve character. This wasn't like a huge drastic pivot from, you know, the personality that brought him to the dance as far as becoming like really, really over. He stuck there. He stayed there and he just tweaked it a little bit, like a little bit of a tone change, a little bit of a more of a respectful tone when talking to Joe and not, you know, just like totally dismissive and out of touch. So this was a good sign for me, like when I look at, you know, where Swerve is going to not only see him featured this way, because I think that's step one, but also just him recognize like, look, I'm not going to pivot on everything. Like, I, you know, I looked to MJF on that and it's like, that was too much of a pivot, too much of a stray from what made him popular. And I think it cooled him off in the end. Here you have Swerve, I think, positioned right now, but trying to balance, you know, working in what connected with the audience so much in the new role, you know, as somebody that, that they want to come across as likable. So it, I don't think we've seen that balance yet, but to me, it, it stood out last night. Yeah. And I think the <clears throat> Joe is a good, you know, model for him to base him, his, his, his pivoting on, like it's just, as we talk with Joe, like pivots the two degrees out of 360 degrees available to you you know like you said mjf did 180 degree and then did 180 degree back a week later and then went 75 degrees and then another 75 and got to where he was right he's all over the place um so it's it's that slow turn of the aircraft carrier if you will and and swerve's doing that and you know nana's still out there dancing people still Mm -hmm. like that and you know it can work if it's not in a world title match and he's out there to have fun and all that stuff and yeah, he just is the badass, serious guy who's there to complete his business. And he can be that as a person that people cheer for. There's lots of pro athletes who, you know, not that he's like a Kobe Bryant type character, but, you know, Kobe had that mentality of like, I will destroy you to win. And he did that with his teammates. And I think, you know, he was pretty over as a baby face, at least if you were a fan of his. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Swerve is doing something like that where, you know, He's out there to get what he wants, but he's not, you know, like Hangman, who has also pivoted his character really slightly and is more like his character, but just like kind of having a mental breakdown, but not actually talking about it, which was the problem before him mm-hmm. just kind of being like, no, no, you don't deserve anything. If I, you know, all that stuff, like, I think yeah. his character has been a nice foil as well in a nice mirror of the slight change that both of them are having with each other. Um, that is not fully complete, but you know, if you do the long feud baby face and heel turn, that is so hard to do. And I think they actually have a chance to pull it off here with both of them. Um, so that is to be commended if they can get there. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and speaking of Hangman, like, yeah, I think uh, there's some, uh, some talk in the chat right now from Sean mm-hmm. Hangman's delusional uh, as a heel. Uh, I think I, I would argue at this point that I'm in like wait and see mode. 
on that. Like I'm willing to see them kind of like jump through these hoops that may not be fully ironed out to get to like a really strong, you know, hangman heel. Like that to me is worth it. And yeah, you're seeing a little bit of a, of a hangman page that's on edge, a little bit of a hangman that's, um, I don't know, like just again, like we talked about last week on the show, you know, heelish in terms of like not wanting to extend the match and, you know, kind of arguing slash whining about the rankings and, and that stuff. Like that's not normal um, hangman, but to your point, he's doing it in a way that, you know, that is synonymous with this turn that I think is that, that we're seeing. Um, and, and to me that that's working. And I think it's a smart, smart play at this point. I mean, especially with all the baby faces that you've got coming in with Okada, Osprey's coming in, Swerve is there, Samoa Joe, you know, yeah, he's kind of in the middle right now, but, you know, it's going to be harder and harder to boo that guy because he's just been, he's just been so cool and so, you know, dominant that, you know, Paige just doesn't fit at the top of the card anymore, like as a baby face. So, you know, that doesn't always mean, okay, it's time for a turn, but, with him, I think his character has cooled off too, and you need he needs a bit of a change. So I'm willing to see through and and see how this goes. I do think though that he is of the three guys, like he's the most, you know, if you were to rank them in terms of like importance to AEW right now today, um, crowd reaction, and then just somebody as a talent that's hitting on all cylinders, like you know, I think he'd be third of those three that are in the, the title match. Would you disagree yeah. with that? No, I would agree. But like, you know, they're all in the title match. You know, they're all the top of the card in the entire company. Right. So yeah. like, yeah. if you did that same exercise with him and John Moxley, him and Adam Copeland, um, you know, I think he's above Copeland for sure. In like mm-hmm. crowd reaction. And like John Moxley is like another story, probably John Moxley. But, you know, I think he's in like a, slightly poorer man's version of John Moxley within the company um, from his value standpoint. They can kind of heat him up whenever you need to and have a pretty good, I mean, he's always going to have a great match. Um, so, so there's that, but yeah, I think he can always be heated up more, but this is a point where you need him to be part of a bigger story. So he's in that Moxley, like do the work and be respected for it mode. So do you think there's just too many AW guys that are like in that zone? Like sometimes I just, I do feel that way, even when like even being complimentary about this stuff, mm-hmm. which I which, which I am, you know. But then as we like break it down here, it's it it makes me just going oh, it just, just makes me roll my eyes a little bit because it's like Samoa Joe, this middle ground character, Swerve, same kind of thing though he's pivoting babyface, Paige, same kind of thing though he's pivoting um, to be a uh, to be a heel. John Moxley plays it both ways. Brian Danielson plays it both ways. Um, you know, Daniel Garcia lately has been going back and forth. Jericho has been going back and forth. Like it's just so many of these guys are just like, you know, you call it as a fan. And uh, I don't know, like, I think like in theory, like that's a, that's, that's good. But in practice, it that just doesn't work out very often. And, if it's one person on your roster, like if it was just Joe, okay, I think you could you can make you know an argument for that, or or maybe even two, you know. But like, it's 
there's so many people, and not to mention like the women's division is is very very similar as far as that goes. Like Tony Storm, heel, but like everybody loves her. You know, everybody wants to cheer for her. You know, Deanna Perrazzo, clear heel, but she's going up against Tony Storm, so she kind of gets muddied. You know, in the in that way. So, is man, she like, a heel? I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean she's not a heel, but yeah. she's <laughs> technically. I mean, I, she's not because she doesn't get booed, but like, yeah. You know that, and that's more, kind of my point. That's yeah, like I know. Point. That's what I'm, I'm helping you out there with that. Yeah, but thank you. Like, thank yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we talk about the top six guys, top four women model, um, and then you have people below that. But that also means you have three baby faces, three heels, and two baby faces, two heels in that equation, right? Yeah. And like, yeah. this is like when a wrestler is left to their own devices, just like an actor. Or someone in a TV show, right? If you give them too much power, they want to do like the coolest, most nuanced approach to anything. And that gets lost in the weeds when you translate it to the normal audience, right? Like Moxley is being his dream character that he always wanted to see in professional wrestling. He's a guy who's watching crazy, small indie shows 24-7. He submitted That's like all he does is watch wrestling. He doesn't do anything else but that. And I guess Rocky Three, he's seen that too, obviously. But... um, (laughs) You know, it's like that of like, hey, this is exactly what I've always wanted as like the super hardcore crazy fan. And that doesn't always translate well to like, well, sometimes you need to be Cody Rhodes, right? And like that might not be the most fulfilling spot for anybody or to be like the like tying women to railroad tracks, twirling your mustache heels. But like sometimes you need that. And that's more the institutional control of like, hey, you're a bad guy, you know. Hey Darby, like you're a babyface and you're talking crap about the company. Like that's <laughs> something to do. I don't know. It's just like that whole thing, right? Of like being a babyface, tearing down the company, but that's not the point. And it, everyone's doing that all over the place. And the people that have really gotten over have figured out like be a little bit above yourself and think about your character, connecting with the fans in one way or the other, right? Like Christian, yeah. good heel, like. He's a standard WWE good heel, right? And he's done some of the best stuff in the company the last two years, right? And some people might think that's boring to be the chicken heel that is running around and cheating and low-blowing and saying the same kind of lines over and over again, but it's working. And, you know, he's not a top six guy, but a top six heel heel could really uh, benefit doing that, you know, sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I go back to like, you know, yeah, people talking about uh, joining AEW because it's just they get to have fun and they get to do their thing. You know, Copeland, you know, recently said that. And it's like, yeah, man, you do. But like, and he's not really in this camp, but it's like if Brian Danielson's out there and it's like, oh, man, I just want to have fun. Like, I just want to do this. And it's like, yeah. Like you know, you're not you're not getting the most out of them. And so, look I, again. I I don't want to like, I don't want to like critique too much because I thought a lot of what they did last night was really really good. But again, when you kind of look at all this stuff and talk about it and 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 you know, kind of place people on the game board, so to speak, a lot of them are in a very similar like you know, I'm just doing my thing, and yep. the audience will react however they want, and it's like that. It doesn't always work. You want them to react the way you want them to. Like that's that is like a major key of pro wrestling. I don't think that just goes away, um, you know, because you're not WWE. Like you know, 
it's just, that's a tried and true pro wrestling formula, especially when it's like episodic in nature. Yeah. And I would um, argue you could look at like the tickets in, in like, let's say cities that comp. And when you're doing like, you know, Boston, as an example, was selling like 9,000 this time last year for blood and guts. Mm -hmm. I'll probably do 6,000 for Mercedes's debut. Yeah. Um, you can look back at like the angling of, or the, 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 you know, the rate of tickets sold and you can look and see who are the top talents. And I bet they're more defined as baby faces and heels. Like when yep. the company's super hot pre and post lockdown times, um, you know, you have Jericho as a crazy heel and he's screwing everyone over. And then you come out of it and Moxley is the over crazy over baby face doing everything, taking on people that are blatantly heels, et cetera. Right. Just like coming in and out when the company's at its absolute hottest, when, you know, it's people screaming AEW when the show starts and it's hard to get a ticket in that town, all that sort of stuff. So um, I just think it does track and dollars and cents wise, it does make a difference too. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, when you go back to the hottest time of AEW, which like, what, what would you say? 2021, like fall of 2021. Yeah. Cause that's or like, winter, that's that like point. Moxley going in and then Kenny taking over. And then you kind of get the introduction of, Forbidden Door stuff and him and TNA, right. you know, still hot. But that that's probably like, like the second they had live shows out of Daly's place, to probably like Forbidden Door is probably the hottest point in the company's history. I yeah. Would. Yes, I think that that's true. And when you yeah, when you look at that and break that down, it's like you had yeah, heel Kenny Omega clearly heel, you know, and pay Adam Page is the big baby face at that time, going after the belt. Um, and then uh, also at the top of the card, you had clear babyface punk, you know, and MJF working together like near, near that time. So yeah, it does track for sure. Won't harp on it, but it's something to watch. It really is something to watch as, you know, like, you know, is, is Tony Khan going to be fully committed to swerve as a babyface, And what does that mean for his act? Same thing with Adam Page. I think that that's, um, you know, something that we'll want to definitely pay attention to. Um, all right, let's talk more about Darby Allen's promo and Young Bucks because <laughs> the Young Bucks, like I am, I, I just generally, I think it's a bad idea to like bring in like outside meta stuff into this, especially after ignoring it essentially on TV for, for years with them in particular. Um, but I, I do think that the, that the gimmick is working um, as a heel act, you know, in the company. I, but as I said, when it started, they really have to like, be careful, like not to cross the line. Like, and I don't think they have quite yet. They have it. Darby did, but, but the young bucks, I think is still like walk the fine, walk that fine line. I think that they um, are making it, making it work. Like the attack last week, I thought was really good. I thought them on the microphone this week was, was effective and the Shivani thing was effective. Um, so from that perspective, I think they've got like a pretty, you know, a pretty hot match for Sting here for his final, for his final match. And um, the thing of it is, I wish they would have just like gave more juice to that angle yesterday. Like, yeah they had this great way they went off the air and we don't, you don't get a video package opening up the show about it. You don't even really talk about it at all outside of the fact that the young bucks are wearing 
um, you know, the same white suits with Darby and things blood on it. Like that was it. It's like, you got to follow up on that. That has to be like a clear, that's, that's your main event of your pay-per-view coming up in a, in two weeks. Like I thought it was really ineffective to not lead with that coming out of the show to, to start the show. And then, you know, have Darby Allen do the exact same thing. Like I thought that he could do the run in, make the save on Shivani. I thought Darby looked good there. Like he looked like a fighting baby face and, you know, the first little bit of his promo was fine. And then it just totally pivoted away from that angle. And it went more to the meta, uh, you know, their EVPs. And so they control everything. It's like, no, that's true. But the, pro- the big issue is, you beat me to a pulp in the middle of the ring and you choked out Sting's sons and you beat up a 65-year-old man within an inch of his life. Like that is that's what needed to be focused on. And you know, the Cody thing didn't help, but I don't know that the promo was really going that way anyway. Uh so I I thought it was poor follow-up, poor follow-up on a really good angle. Um, and they had an opportunity to really kind of lay in a personal tone to this, to this feud. And, um, yeah, they just, they didn't take it. And I, and I don't know why you make a decision like that in an effort to just stay Brandon Cutler's name on TV. Like it really was a miss for me. I hated it. Yeah. I I mean, on the follow-up promo is a good rule of thumb. If you have like a nonverbal, um, angle and you have a promo to follow it up the following episode. Just verbalize like what happened, and if a babyface is talking, yeah. Darby needs to verbalize, in his opinion, why the Bucks did what they did. Right? You got to take put in context. Darby and Singh just won the the AEW World Tag Team Titles, Sting's first title, title, and, la- and last title ever in his career, which is a huge deal. Yes. And, he, and yes. then the Bucks came out, and this is Darby can say all of this. You came out, and you're so small in self-absorbed that you had to ruin that moment to put yourself in the spotlight. And mm-hmm. now you want to take his last match and I'm not going to let you do that. Like sting is a legend. You guys want to be legends and you're not all you are is a stain on this industry. And I, and like you can even yeah, yeah. allude to the Cody thing and be like, you know, you were part of the people that started this company, but you know, uh, your vision got taken away and it's a better place for it. Something like that. If Something, you want to get yeah. meta, because everyone kind of knows that if not, they can look it up, right? And it's like, oh, that's crazy to say out loud. So anything like that. It's so much easier than and you just gotta take to the point of the Bucks are heels and they took away the glory of Sting and they're gonna take it away again, and you're there to stop it, and you're there to fight with Nance. Instead, this felt more like a when Sting and Darby lose, is my interpretation, and you're setting up like Darby get his next teammate to then take down the Bucks. It seems like a we're already kind of telling a story beyond. Sting's mm-hmm. retirement, which is just not what you want to do. It's like telling the story with Shawn Michaels and Undertaker two weeks before WrestleMania 26 and have an Undertaker kind of set up his next opponent after that. It'd be yeah. insane. That's kind of what's going on here. So Yeah, man. Like <laughs> that's a I'm good sorry t- to like totally lambaste it, but I was like not happy no. last night with this. So no, it was no dude, it was really bad. And again, this is it's outside of the coding thing because I don't know that the it wasn't going down the path of like really getting into that, into the angle in that perspective anyway, but like it certainly didn't help. And the, yeah, I mean, look, you won the tag titles. That wasn't mentioned. Sting's retirement. That was kind of mentioned, but not really the, the, you know, 
as you said, the passion for, you know, fighting for Sting's legacy, where, you know, where was all that? And then all, all of that good stuff took a back seat to just like a line, like you, you didn't book me on the first show or like, that's what, that's what you're mad about right now, Darby. Like, yeah. A really big miss. I mean, can they come back from it? How do how do you? I mean, I guess you can have the, the same exact promo that you just met, did. You can do it again. Sting will be on at some point, so I think he can save it too by like cutting more of a more of an actual promo based on the angle that happened on TV rather than you know backstage machinations. So, like, I think there's still opportunity. There's still time left. Um, but boy, like, it, it it was it was on a silver platter and. You know, the, those like good angles are only as good as the follow up to them. And after this, it's like it's a bit forgotten. And like that was such a good, vicious, violent showing from the Young Bucks. It's like, man, you know, we were so complimentary of that. And they just did not take advantage of that, that momentum and that heat uh, at all. Yeah. So like, you know, <clears throat> if I'm given free advice, which I always do to Tony Khan here on the show. Appreciate he listens. Watching, he listens. Watching, watching and listening every week. Is like if I'm coming to the arena last night, whenever you get there, I care about two things really. Three, well, three, I want to watch Tony Storm's video to make sure mm-hmm. I don't have any notes and want to change anything last minute or how it's framed. That's my women's world title. I care about the thing we talked about, Joe, Swerve, and Paige. I want all three of the guys to like run through what they're going to do in the in my office, like mm-hmm. the promo run through right there. Like yep. SNL doing a dry run, right? Like, I mean, it's the same concept. You do dry runs yep. in front of live audiences to get notes and make it better and polish it. Same mm-hmm. thing. I want Darby and the Bucks to have their back and forth promo and give notes. You know, and if I don't have time for that, I need to trust. I need to hire Scott Demore and have him run everything like that, right? Yep. Or whatever. I need to have a trusted two or three people that I know, know wrestling, know good stories, know what I want to see of my main stuff. Because booking Wardlow in a squash match takes two seconds. You've done it for five years straight, right? That would take no time. <laughs> QT can handle that since he's back, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's like there's things that matter, and that's why we're talking about positively the the triple threat world title promo we liked, and negatively, Sting's retirement match promo. Those are the two most important matches on your card, with the women's match being the third. Mm-hmm. Really, that's more got to deliver in the ring to be a positive note, which I think it can. But the, the build's been yeah. good. And, like, if I'm Tony Khan, that's what I care about. And then I'm running Gorilla as I want to, 8 to 10. But, like, that's what you need to care about. You do not need to worry about booking Sammy to knock out Jeff Har- or Jeff Hardy, you know, on Rampage later that night. So oh which, God, what he's yeah. focused on is stuff like that. And that's why he's just stretched too thin, in my opinion, without any information. But, like... If you're at the top of it, you need to care about the big stuff and let other people book the smaller stuff that doesn't matter, that we are not going to talk about here. There's lots we're not going to talk about from Dynamite. It's only a two-hour show. You know, yeah, you can, yeah. like the, the the Otis and Chad Gable stuff, we never talk about on Raw because it's just there to fill time and it's fine. But like, you know, I don't think Paul Levesque is spending way too much time booking that stuff. He's booking right opening 15 and the last 15 of the show. And then the hour two, hour one to two mark, that's what he's focused on. So mm-hmm. it's happened the same on AEW. Yeah, it really does. And it, it and if you 
And if you think that way, it's like it, when you were talking, I was reminded of the – there was this point in the Super Bowl. I think it was maybe even overtime. It was like the fourth and one play. And like uh, the Kyle Shanahan called timeout. And Romo was just like, oh, man, had to, kind of, had to call a timeout there. Like Shanahan didn't like – the call didn't like the call of his defensive coordinator. Didn't like I forget what the what they were what they came out in, but he hated it and was like, "I'm not." And and Romo's point was that Shanahan's not going to go down with someone else making like that kind of a that kind of a call. Like he wants to be in on this in on the call. It's his team. It's his. He's he's the head coach. Wants to be in on that type of major fourth and one decision overtime in the Super Bowl. And it, it didn't work out for him, but. You know, at least he could put his name on that and go, all right, well, hey, like it's it was my my call. I'm the head coach. He can walk out like you know, at the end of the game where <laughs> yes, he, he looked like, like his oh, spirit left his body call. as he's I walking. Have, I shouldn't have said anything. Yeah. But but yeah, like but my point is it's like that's the kind of thing you want Tony Khan to have, where it's like when you show up at the building and there's no mention of the major huge angle for the main event, you know, until what the uh, beginning of the second hour. And even then it's not significant. It's like, no, you got to blow that up. That's got to yeah. be blown up and go, no, wait a minute, guys. Like I want a video package at the end, or I want a video package at the end of the first hour. Uh, and before we go into the Darby segment, Darby, you need to hit these points. And then when we come on the air, I also want, you know, I want there to be a medical update on from Tony Schiavone on Sting, even if it's just 15 seconds in length, like, you know, but it needs to be defined as a really big deal. And it just, and it just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't. And I thought it, yeah, it fell flat. And to your point, the Cody thing, it's just like a cherry on top of bad, you know? <sighs> All right. Um, David, thanks for joining the show, man. Appreciate you. Um, our super chats are open. If you want to drop us a question of something that you want us to get to, or a comment on what we've talked about, you can do that. Um, they're open. Uh, we're gonna head to some super chats right now, and we're gonna start with Sean, and then we're gonna get to Tracy. Um, and this super chat stems from a match that was made uh, last night on AEW. Dynamite uh, for Revolution. It's going to be Kanosuke Takesha against Will Ospreay. Two members of the Don Callis family going head to head. The classic, as a uh, as uh, as Don Callis called it. I think he used another word, but that's how I remember it. Um, I Tyler, well, let me hide this really quick, Sean. I was not a fan. I mean, look, I'm a fan of the match itself, obviously. Like if I was going to head do an indie show, you know, at the Logan Square Auditorium, and that was the match. I'd be pumped. I'd be really pumped. Like that is going to be a hell of a pro wrestling match. No, no question. No question about it. It's going to be awesome. Um, and you know, I'm spending $50 to watch the pay-per-view already. I'm excited for that match. That said, the match makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. And I don't even think it makes sense in terms of how Don Callis, you know, um, described it. Like this is a match to me that is that has money attached to it like this is something that i think uh, fans will pay to see if it's built up and not just on a random pay-per-view but like a 
you know, a top three match on a pay-per-view that's been, that has had time with it, that has had energy put into it, that, you know, that there's some kind of feud there either between Osprey and Takeshita or Osprey and the Dom Callis family. Like, so the match is going to be good, but man, like going to it in just a random like backstage promo segment with, with Don Callis and just getting there because, Oh, I just want my two guys, these two brothers to, to face off. It's like, come on. There's only one reason this match is happening is because they, Tony Khan wants to put on a good match. That's it. And to me, the integrity of booking is you hold this match. You start the story now for that match to happen and you do it and you tell it and you go week by week and show by show to get there so that by the time double or nothing rolls around, you've got people that are salivating at the opportunity to see those two to wrestle one another. So, man, I'm high on the match. I really hate how they got there. Sean jumped in here with, I'm with you, Zach. The Takeshi Asper match will be great, but it needs way more build. They are on the same team right now. Just a great match, huh? Yeah, I think that's what it was. I mean, I think Tony Khan was looking at the card and going, man, we really need that, like, classic match. So let's just do this. And that's how they got here. And I, I just – there's just so many diminishing returns on that long term. And especially with a match like this, like, this is going to be great. But, man, you want to give it more juice than just Don Callis. Where are you at? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the match – is in play to make sure you know Osprey's a baby face at the end of it and not with Don Callis, right? I think that's the mm-hmm. true reasoning of this. That's what you're saying, though. Like, set it up a little bit more in that capacity before you get there. Because, like, right. it's, it's, it's very strange, like, what Tony Khan feels the need to, like, tie up loose ends in AEW lore. Because, like, I think if you ask, like, 100 AEW fans in that arena last night, you're like, hey, what group is Will Osprey associated with in AEW? I think 90 90 of them would say like oh i don't think he's associated with anybody i think he's just like coming in and he's like a big star like yeah. i was like near him like oh yeah he's in the cows family like maybe 10 percent. like if you ask me i would be like oh, okay he's in a group because you're asking me that so let me run through my role right right group. right right like it doesn't like you can just like hit the reset button he's in the company and like you can even make reference of like hey i've got a match on i'm debuting at you know full-time at revolution see you all there and you can have Callus be like on the phone with him in another segment, like, hey, buddy, you got a match? I didn't know you had a match. I thought we were tight. And then, like, whatever. You could do, like you're saying, lay it out. And then we find out, like, he's got a match with Takeshita and there's some bad blood already. And then Callus can try and screw him over and he beats Takeshita and Callus in the match, right? Like, yeah. you get the same match and it makes a sense of, like, okay, I think there's something going on here between these two. But, you know, yes. hey, maybe they'll fight and he'll still be in the group and it'll make absolutely no sense. So, <laughs> like, well, I mean, and I think, too, it's like, draw the story out. Like, why do you have to have the match at Revolution? Like, if you you want to go so far as you think, if you you determine, like, oh, man, we got to figure out a way to get Osprey out of the Don Callis family, which I agree with you. Like, I don't think people knew that or care that he was associated with them before. But if, like, you feel like that's important to get him out of that, then, you know, you should be saying to yourself, "Great, this will be, this will, this is like a segment a week for five weeks, you know, to, and then we've got the feud for another five before before the pay per view. Like it's like that's how it should be. You should be looking at it. Like we'll, we'll tell the story of him leaving the Don Callis family, but if it's important enough to 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 
to like remind people of, you know, let's get something out of it. And let's, mm-hmm. I, you know, like, so I just don't know that you had to like rush into it for as good of a match as it's going to be. I'm kind of with Sean on this, like, eh, like what? Yeah. I don't know. Like, are you going to get to it? Like, are you going to go to it again? You know, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, it just, it just seems like way too, you know, it's like, it would be like if Batista just like, you know, when, when Batista turned on, on Triple H back in the day, you know, in evolution. And it was like a long build to that, him getting out of that group. And it would just be like, all of a sudden, one day, Ric Flair's like, hey, you know what? You guys are going to fight each other. You guys are going to wrestle tonight for the title. And like, and then that's it. And like all that momentum, all that build, all that just doesn't happen. I don't think you would choose that. And so I, I just, I don't know. I don't know the, I don't know why you'd hotshot this the way, the way that they did. Yeah. And like, I mean, there's so many other ways. Like, I don't know if Danielson's available for the show, but if you could have like Osprey and Danielson, like this match yeah. and be like, Callis calls him like, Hey, I got you a great match, buddy. Right. And like at the end of it, like they like shake hands and respect each other. And Callis is like, you know, throws him something to, there you go. Yes. And then he's like, no, I'm not doing that. Like I just heard like this guy is awesome and I earned his respect and, not doing your bidding anymore now like or whatever it doesn't be dangerous it could be there's so many good performers on the roster right that yes then you can like be like okay now to catch attacks him and you get to another match that main events a big time branded dynamite or something you know, and that would be better the, the yeah. mid the mid hopefully not a pay-per-view in april you know i think there <laughs> is is there one uh i don't i don't think there's one, one announced currently okay so we'll see, yeah. but because yeah, then you don't have till Memorial Day, so you need that big like kind of blow off dynamite to like get through all the rest of the stories and then start building a double or nothing. So that could be the main event of that thing, you know that that's worth it and give right. that thirty minutes and have them just go for it. So yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah, uh, thanks, Sean. Um, I'm definitely with you. We have another super chat on this from Tracy, uh, so we'll get to that. Hi, I know you don't like to catch the Osprey because of the lack of the build. I was thinking they would use that match to get Will away from Callus immediately. Thoughts? Um, yeah, Tracy. So I think we hit, we definitely hit that. I mean, I think that that's where they're going. I really think that that's the idea here. Like, if you were to talk to Tony Khan right now, to me, he would say, "Yeah, well, we just don't want him in that group, and we want him away from Don Callis, and so this is how we're going to do that." And my, and I think that's a smart call. I think people want to cheer Will Ospreay at AEW at least for at least for right now. My my take is like just I think you want to get something out of that split, you know, and not like I don't know, you know, unless Takeshita cheats to beat Osprey or Osprey wins, and like I mean, like it's it's a it's just convoluted because why would I don't know how you split them really like efficiently here because that Don Callis technically he doesn't care who wins right because they're both like his guys so like why would you know the idea here is that they're brothers and they're going to fight and they're going to figure out who's best and then they're going to be brothers afterwards and so I I think the better thing is the, the smarter way to split them is to actually keep them away from each other and to like have Callis and Takesha in that group you know um constantly you know, interfere in Osprey's stuff, either for the, for good or for bad. And that's what leads to the split. And the result of the split is the match, not the, not the beginning. So that's, but I think you're right to call out, like, this is a way to get Osprey away from Callis. I still think it's just the wrong, 
wrong avenue to go down. Yeah, and you know if FTR and BCC weren't tied up with each other, I think either of those teams would be good. Like to roll in next week and be like, "You got your eyes like fighting each other." Like, no, like we want to take them on. Right. They're, if they're a team, like we're the best team. Like oh, we want to whatever. That would be like okay, that'll be a cool tag match. It's good like entry point, and then something could happen in that that leads to the story as well. So there's just like many other ways to skin the cat here. It, right. Exactly. And it all results in two things. You know, it results in like. Giving reason to giving a reason for people to come back and watch your show episodically, you know, and you know there's a story that you can catch up on every single week, and then, you know, and then there's the other part of is you just you get build out of the match, you get more, you know, more, uh, more intrigue, and I think that's something that AEW should want too. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Tracy, for the contribution. Appreciate it. Um, and Sean, too, thank you. Um, we will uh, ride off into the sunset talking about the main event. Um, did you like the deathmatch stipulation? Did you not like it? Sean's in here. He didn't like it. We don't always need a Texas deathmatch in Texas. <laughs> Tony Khan would disagree with you, Sean. He would disagree with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think I'm, I wish Ryan was here, Ryan Sullivan, friend of the show. Uh, I'm sure he's very excited that his good friend Matt Taven was in the main event of a dynamite main event of a dynamite. That's I'm like, actually pulling up a question from him right now. Okay. So, so that's an accomplishment for him. But yeah, I mean, it was forced, like they've never had beef. I guess, what was there something on rampage or collision that I missed that set this up? Like Cassie got a cake or something and they smashed his face in it. If I had to guess something. Yeah. Like that. Well, it was that. And then like the <laughs> undisputed kingdom, like took out Chuck Taylor last mm-hmm. week and like um you know they also have the thing going on with orange cassidy and uh roderick strong too so yeah a, a hodgepodge of mid-card stuff yeah into this. and that's that's what it was i mean it went from zero to a hundred pretty quickly like cassidy uh i didn't see who did the blade job i assume it was him because he doesn't do them often mm-hmm. he went way too deep and that was it's always scary when a guy blades way too deep I like that. Yeah. I like a blood spot to be pretty dry by the end of the match. That's when we know someone knows how to blade effectively when they're it basically intense, good to go. Man. Yeah. And he's like dripping on the mat. Like, so that's not good. And then also like Taven, that like dive over the tope into the table. Like it went pretty well, but that was like crazy to do that. And I know like Taven's done a lot of crazy, like he's actually kind of a crazy spot wrestler. If you, if you've seen him in the past, but like, uh, yeah, so, like, it, it made no sense to do this match. There were some good spots. Like, I love the tax or the candy or the or the chocolates. Like, that's always going to be funny to me on Valentine's Day. But, you know, main event, I don't know. Like, it felt like a Rampage main event more than a Dynamite main event. It just, like, was not – like, if, if that was the Rampage main event, I think you might bring a couple thousand people over to watch it if they hear that there's, like, a crazy death match on that show. So, and then just all the stuff at the end, like – I could care less about that. And also you're downgrading, thankfully, the the Undisputed Kingdom. They're now, you know, taking on the best friends. So it's like, you know, they oh, are man. devalued since, you know, until Cole comes back, which is, again, like, what is going on there? Like, I think we looked up, like, what his injury was, and he should – I mean, not that you want to tell anyone how to, like, treat themselves medically, but yeah. well, he should be pretty he's close. and commentary, like – yeah. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, I, I, I fundamentally dislike all holiday style street fights or death matches. 
I hate them all. Like when, and and I think in the, I'm forever jaded because I was covering 205 Live when they did like the 205 Live Cruiserweight Tricker Street, whatever the heck it was yeah. called, and it was just the most god awful, horrendous. Like people were like running away because they were getting hit with like a like a like a like a I don't know like candy corn or like they like yeah well a... i assume tax they use candy corn as tax i'm assuming and yeah you candy have to, corn you is have to tax. <laughs> and it's just like what the like you're selling this like wow like so yeah so i'm forever gonna like never like these this was better obviously because it was real thumbtacks and not you know like heart candies but it was i yeah i just thought it was just unnecessary taven i mean <laughs> to, to ryan's point here i hope uh, my guy Matt Taven gets some respect out of this. Like, I mean, he he that took some. Yeah, it was more of a comment yeah. than a question. I hope that. I mean, he he took some big spots. I mean, he took like the the DDT thing on the on the on the tax. Um, he did the thing through the uh, yeah. through the table. The we have tax on table. your stomach. That's that's when you know you're like going full in. So you're yeah, in, he, man. I mean, it, he was oh. make, he was trying to make the most of his opportunity. That's for sure. Yeah, he was. And the thing is, meh, like to your point, I, I mean, unfortunately, I think that he's just right where he was um, or what you know, he is now where he was 24 hours ago. And yeah, um, yeah I mean, I think yeah, I think you're right, man. Like the bigger story there isn't that this crazy te Texas deathmatch main event of Dynamite. It's mm -hmm. holy crap. Like what is going on with Undisputed Kingdom? Like un yeah. like totally un unraveling of that of that um, of that faction and just no momentum at all um, whatsoever. Like you got like like Roderick Strong versus Orange Cassidy is like holding down that entire angle, and it's just it's just a mess. And yeah, and I mean and this was fine, you know. But I don't think it'll be a main event that people will remember, you know, a month from now. To be, no. to be, to be honest, you want to take the pro Taven approach. I think, you know, him and Cassie had the best match you could have in this situation. Just the booking failed them, especially at the end. Yeah, like, just like all the yeah. moving pieces, and it's like, like I like a death match that's just between two people, and not like a bunch of people getting speared, and then, you know, just making a triple threat death yeah. match then. Like that would have been at least a spectacle. If it was, you know, all the, it was Roddy and uh, all of the undisputed kingdom versus best friends and Cassidy. Like that would have been a spot fest, and you could tell the same story without all the BS at the end. <laughs> yes, you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. You know the. It's an awfully. Yeah, it was awfully bloody for like just like a thrown together like holiday death match in Texas. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. No. Yeah, well, <sighs> I think you know, we'll look at the minutes, and that was probably dropped off significantly for a death. Oh, I think so. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Probably well, just, just that main event in general, just yeah, the, like just the name value. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, Matt Taven. Um, one last uh, super chat from Sean here. Mm -hmm. Who are you rooting for, FTR or BCC? Sean. That's the question of the ages, my friend. I don't know, man. Tyler, you you take it first. Yeah, I kind of just don't like FTR in general. Um, so I'll usually root against them by default. But 
Yeah, I don't really care. That's like what you said too earlier of like everybody being kind of the same from a character standpoint. Yep. Affiliation. They're all true neutral. If you you know you know the square of like we're Dungeons and Dragons how to define a character and you can do that with like any series of like yes uh, neutral and chaotic and lawful, good evil and neutral. Like they like almost everybody's like true neutral or like chaotic neutral, which is like doesn't make every character good when they're all the same. So that's kind of how I feel about these groups. They're all exactly the same. Yeah, I'm with you. Like I, Sean, I'm not really rooting for anybody. Like I. I, I and I look at this and I just go, this is bad. Like this is just not good. Pro- I mean, it's going to be, it's fine from like an intensity perspective, but the fact that there isn't a rooting interest and these four guys are are wrestling each other, like that's not to me. That's not good pro wrestling. That is not like efficient, fun, entertaining pro wrestling. Like you can't have like yesterday after the match after John Moxley versus Dax Harwood, which I thought was a good match, probably the match of the show. Mm-hmm. Um. You've got John Moxley like flipping off the audience as he's beating up Dax, and they're chanting BCC at him. And mm-hmm. so it's like it doesn't make it just doesn't make any sense. You like you know it doesn't frame Moxley any better. It doesn't elevate FTR. It neutralizes everybody, everybody mm-hmm. involved because there's no there's no vested interest. There's no rooting interest in this. So you know. I just don't think they're going to get anything out of it. They're going to have a match and maybe it's going to be on the pay-per-view and that's going to be it. It's not going to move the needle. It's not going to be, make any stars. It's not going to, you know, you know, neither one of them is going to reference even wanting to be the tag champions. Like it's just a bad (laughs) angle, like period. And so, no, I don't think it has, I don't think there is a rooting interest and that's bad. Yeah. And there's a difference between Moxley and Danielson teaming versus Moxley and audio right right yeah there's that too just a yes, matter of yes. fact so yes yes good point good point hopefully we answered that for you sean thank you um for the uh, for the super chat and the contribution guys we'll wrap it up there uh great show thank you for joining us we are going to go record a members only podcast that will hit our patreon feed um in just about an hour so uh please consider becoming a, a brass ring media member it's four dollars you get access to all sorts of this style of wrestling analysis and discussion all week long full access to our um our uh, substack newsletter um a brand new member only podcast every single week all of our pay-per-view and major show reviews and access to our discord community which is an absolute blast so Give us a shot. I think you'll uh, really like it. Uh, Patreon.com backslash Brassstream Media. Our members only topic today, and Tyler, you don't even know this yet, but it is a topic that nobody is discussing quite like we will uh, for our members. So if that's not a tease and a reason to go try us out for $4, um, I don't know what is, folks, but join us. Join us there as a member. Once again, Patreon.com backslash Brass Ring Media. Um, for David and Sean and Tracy and everybody else who watched us live, thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't forget, if you want to bring the podcast with you on the road, you can download these as true podcasts on all your podcast feeds just a few minutes uh, after we're done going live. So uh, whether that's Spotify or iHeart or Apple, wherever we are, wherever you can get a podcast. And so um, bring us with you. Don't make that a reason not to uh, not to listen. Cool. Tyler, thanks so much, man. Yeah, thank you. We'll talk to you guys next week. Oh, and don't forget, tonight, 
live right here on YouTube. Um, Robert Vios is back with another episode of Nocturnal Knockout. He is uh, going to be covering um, and talking about the renewed Triple H and Rock rivalry. They are back at it together again in completely different roles. He's going to talk about that and also, um, yeah, talk about the news of the week. It's a really fun um, kind of like sports talk way to look at and analyze professional wrestling. So I highly encourage everybody to listen to it. Hit the notification button so you know when he's live. It's 10 Eastern tonight. Um, so don't miss it. All right, cool. Guys, we'll catch you next week. Thank you.